Get ready for An Altered altered view. View. I'm David. And I'm Patrick. And we're here to offer our unique perspectives on the seen and unseen worlds. On any episode of An Altered View, you might hear our rambling, our delights, and our conversations over current events, over anything of the esoteric, mysticism, the occult, and as Patrick said, the unseen. From the perspective of myself, a psychic medium, and Patrick, a shamanic practitioner, these views and conversations are definitely altered. So if you're witchy, weirdo, queer, edgy, or have ever been othered, this is the place for you. In today's episode, David and I dive into online dating, especially online dating as a queer person. So to give you a little bit of statistics on why we decided to take up this topic, 40 million Americans as of 2019 have used online dating at some point. And by the end of 2019, 39% of straight couples met online while the number was 65% for same-sex couples. So we're dealing with a very timely topic, and especially during the pandemic, where people haven't had the venues to go meet a potential significant other or just a hookup. So we would like to invite you to this conversation, and hopefully this brings some stuff up for you, and we'd love to hear about it. Well, here we are. I'm ready to talk, ready to talk online dating. Yes. And the apps. When was the first time you ever were on an online dating, I guess, website? Because websites yeah. preceded apps. So now you're going to date me, which as an elder millennial. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we did talk a little bit about this right before we recorded. But when I was young and, and, and coming out, coming of age, we had gay.com which was a really interesting hybrid in the early <laughs> or earlier days of the internet a lot of things were chat room based like you remember you remember like AOL M for M oh yeah M yeah. for M so you did yeah so that was oh, like was early there. that was like a proto i remember being like out of my circles i was the one who was on those kind of first mm. and i think it's cuz i was gay and closeted and i found those secret avenues of the internet where I could explore me. Now, did you lurk or did you, or were you active? Oh, I was super fucking active. I hope some of my childhood (laughs) friends like (laughs) Bianca are listening to this because, oh my God, we would go on that together. Well, and you, so when you were in high school, I would have been in, because we're apart, we're seven years, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were in high school or you're in college, I was just like, you know, that's the ad. yeah that's it's, right it's different developmentally sexually and socially and definitely because i think when i first started getting into so so and i had forgotten until i just brought it up but the the aim the instant messenger the you know the m for m chat room that was probably my earliest exposure and that was maybe when i was 16 or 17 so we're yeah. talking like late 90s and then, that's when i got on there too Late okay. 90s, yeah. Okay, yeah. So similar, yeah, similar time. And it was a very, the internet was a very different place. Very much like the Wild West. And, and you didn't have a clear idea of who you were talking to. No. Because there weren't a lot of, you know, images hosted. It was just like fuchsia highlight with yellow letters. And you're yeah. like, oh, they're really femme. <laughs> or it was like black highlighter with white letters. And you're like, oh, they're serious. Or oh, they're a little dark. Yeah. Right? We could get into like the colors of the, the type and the I am. Well, because I find that humans are going to use ways to send out cues 
we're going to adapt to whatever medium we have access to, right? Or masks, cues or masks. Ooh, the mask is a big is a big one, and I feel like the internet the internet is full of masks. Well, the first dedicated platform that I ever used was this gay.com, and that had an aspect of a profile. So you had a page, like a static page that you could put pictures of yourself on. Kind of like a MySpace. Like a MySpace. Like a Zanga. Yeah, yeah, and you could fill out the, you know, a whole bunch of different prompts about, you know, about me. And then it had a, a chat room element to it as well. So there were different rooms based mostly on location. So for instance, a Seattle room or a Washington state room or, or, you know, even countries around the world. And you could hop in there and you could watch other people having a chat that were in that room. You could click on their screen name and it would take you to their profile. So you mm. could see their profile page. So that's how you could kind Which of see Which we didn't them. have that on AIM. No, no, we didn't no. have, there was like a little, like a profile text section, profile. but it was text. Yeah. It's usually full of music lyrics. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I did that. <laughs> Me I did too. That. I had, I think, put Venus as a boy in my, oh my in my early, early profile. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a chat based room, but then you could also like private message people. You could DM people in the chat room and have like a one-on-one chat. But it's been interesting seeing it evolve from like a really a more communal sort of space into what we have now, which I, I would say is a very like peer-to-peer, one-on-one conversation space. And so you never get to see the individual outside of your direct communication with them. Whereas before, you could get an idea of someone's personality based on how they were interacting in a group. Totally. And that was a way of interacting, like, oh, I'm interacting in a chat room. Yeah. It's almost there's a performative, not saying that that's not their one-on-one, but yeah, the chat rooms almost became this kind of vibe, and you would go to a chat room over and over, and it was like, hey, uh, Spider-Man 547, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man, who's Spider-Man? <laughs> Gosh, one of, my, one of my screen names on AIM was like, Earthy333. <laughs> so dramatic young wiccan mine was star seven boy or something see like that. Yeah, yeah i see you that's another type of mask i think you know you have your mask that you wear in the community or what i think of is it's almost like a virtual bar it was yeah totally and then now we've seen that transition and we have a very visual we've moved to a very visual space so you look at an app like I think Bumble or Grinder or even Tinder. And the first thing that you're going to see is a big picture of an individual. And then you have to kind of scroll down. You have to look a little bit further to get more information. And it's on a lot of those, those apps like Tinder that are kind of swipe based. How many times you not even go and look and read about the person. You're just like pure visual cue. Yes or no. Yeah. And when we were talking about this last week and decided to record on this, you said something about the swipe apps and you're like, yes, you shouldn't swipe left on a human. No. And I like heard you say, I'm like, no, we fucking shouldn't. And it's, it's 
programmed us to be dismissive or what I call, you know, fast food hookup. Fast food, that's a good I'm way to think about I'm looking for it. this, this, and this. You know, I want a Whopper tonight with a large fry, and I want it fast. <laughs> and then we all know sometimes when you want a Whopper, I mean, for those of you listening, if you've ever imbibed in hookup culture, we're going to get in, uh, into all of that. But, yeah. you know, sometimes you want like a Whopper, and you show up, and you're like, oh, you're soy chicken nugget. Mm-hmm. Not really what I wanted, but... Okay, do you come with barbecue? <laughs> okay. You know, you don't always you don't always get what you want, but it has put us into this I want what I want, I want it this way. And I want it now. And if it's not what I want, I'm gonna swipe left. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. And you think about how many potential connections you might have missed out on because maybe you were just in a different time frame that day. Maybe you were, you know, looking for the whopper, but long term you want a healthy salad. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, so even just the spa- headspace that you're in in that moment can change. You know, I do believe in in personal responsibility, but I also think that there is a responsibility on the people who are designing these apps, and there's ways that they can be corrosive to community. Mm-hmm. And they I, already have been. I, I totally agree. And just this whole sort of, I don't know if you had this experience uh, in gay dating or gay bar life, you know, and I just want to preface this by saying we're, you know, we're two queer cisgendered men, male identifying folks in the Northwest. So definitely take and that into white. account. Yeah, and we're white. We're so, white. <laughs> so take that into account as we're having this discussion. But do you remember like almost kind of like a mean girl's streak in this queer dating life? Like, people could get kind of nasty with each other. And especially, again, if you're, you know, if they're wanting a Whopper and you show up as as soy chicken nuggets, then they will not be like, oh, I don't think you're what I'm looking for, but thank you. It's just kind of like a, a, a attack you. Yes. Yeah, I think that's there very much so. And even in, you know, some of our listeners might not know this, you know this about me, but me and my partner were non-monogamous. We have been now for almost, I think, three years, which is something I never thought I would. It's a relationship I never thought I'd be in this young in my life at age Mm -hmm. almost 32 now. I thought later in life, you know, with the right life partner, but that is my partner for me. But You know, we each have some experiences. Obviously, that's changed a lot through the pandemic, and there's ways you don't do it, and there's ways you go about it, and it's it's all different. That'd be interesting to chat about. But, you know, whenever I've had an experience where I go to meet a human, for me, connection is really important. Mm. I, I cannot be turned on, really, if there's not much of a connection sometimes. And Yes, if you have a, you know, a quote, beautiful body to me, because everybody's perception of beauty is very Mm -hmm. personal, then maybe, but I need that connection. And there are times when maybe I haven't felt mentally attracted or physically attracted, or maybe it was the chicken nuggets and I wanted, you know, Wendy's chili with, "Mm, give me that chili, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or whatnot. But I always try to be polite. I want to be real. Like, hey, I'm not feeling this. Or I usually just say, Mm. I don't feel the vibe. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that we don't get on dating apps, especially now as they've been more, I don't know if reduced is the right word. I like the term flattened. Flattened. Because that's how it feels like Two-dimensional. Yeah. It is flattened. You don't always get the vibe. So 
you know, for me, I like to talk to somebody for a long time usually. Mm-hmm. I've also, I'm not fucking above it. I've met people fast, of <laughs> course. But no, yeah, it's a thing. There's that mean girl culture or um, sometimes, you know, guys, at least, you know, again, we're speaking from a gay perspective. Guys are so intense on there, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. dismissive or rude or yeah, just inhuman. Well, and I feel like that, it, and that's a great, way to describe it because I think we're being conditioned to you know humans I feel like are very programmable so we get conditioned socially based on whatever construct or framework we're in to behave in certain ways and I feel like in terms of online dating or this sort of app style dating is we can be conditioned to to bring out the worst parts of ourselves I know that a lot of folks that are people of color have dealt with discrimination like so that that sort of mean girl attitude will come out with the you know this was this was a while ago that no femmes fats or asians fucking hate that yeah and that i have seen diminish a bit but people are i think still have that internalized racism that they can project out and they're like well it's just a it's just a preference but that's again another example of flattening it's fast food it's fast food it's like saying okay well all people in this well and as humans we're not we naturally categorize Mm -hmm. but this is taking that to an even more extreme level and so it's like we even have on for instance like grinder there are the categories so there are you know an an otter or rugged or twink but then daddy daddy but then also trans is in that category so it's like what are we really talking about and how people can elect to identify as certain things but there's no agreed upon definition of what these groups include or don't include and who really gets to decide this and for up until now it seems like it's all been the app at the app designer's discretion Yes. How many filters am I going to include? Which filters am I going to make? Paid filters versus the free filters. That changes everything. Mm -hmm. And it puts it, what we'll get to it in a little bit, is what you call the gamification of the dating apps, which is such a genius way to think of it. Because that is what has happened. And they, you know, they ask you to pay for things. But real quick, on the note of POC or BIPOC on dating apps, they're so often put into, you know, these fetishized... Mm-hmm. roles or you know containers on these dating apps where i i have seen so many black man's profiles where it's like i'm not your bbc yeah you know like i am not that for you i'm not this top bbc dom dude you know and i've talked to guys on there were like yeah i get profiled a lot for that like a lot of white men want me to be this mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm in the middle or i'm on the other end or I am that, but I'm not just going to be that. Yeah, and it's almost like it's just turning the volume up or the intensity up on these cultural stereotypes. They're kind of insidious because they've worked their way into a system like this. Because it's hard how much of this is the architecture of the app and how much of this is our own human nature or or shadow work that we need to deal with and... I agree that all the time. There's a lot of work to be done. Because we put, collectively, we put sexuality into shadow. Patriarchy has done that. The systems have done that. 
I feel like now more and more, especially with Gen Z too, like sex is becoming less shadow, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And but it's put we were born into a world where that is part of the shadow, but yeah. then it's sold to us, like you said earlier today, sex sells. So it's so wild because sex is so subliminal in all of our messaging. But then yet, you know, if somebody does have a fetish or an interest or if some, a taboo, you know, if you Mm. will, those become shadow. So we do see a lot of people project from their individual shadow into this collective shadow of sexuality and what's allowed and not allowed. That's a great way to describe it. And I really like the, in some ways, the trajectory that we're on in breaking apart like binary gender roles and bringing <laughs> bringing sex out of the closet. And I remember even from a from a young age, because I lived in the Bay Area, going to the Pride Parade. My my mom had friends who were gay and and friends who were drag queens as well, and and we would go and and as a as a child, it is kind of being surrounded by the rest of a very conservative nation. It feels kind of shocking, but there is this... It is shocking. There is this electricity of liberation. It lets it out in a way where seeing nudity, for example, or like a bare-chested woman... On the street. On the street is less about how you perceive her than the fact that she gets to be who she is and walk through the world as she wants to walk through it. Yeah. Because I think so often it's all about, well, what about the observer, the culture that's looking at this person that has them under the microscope and they're, and is trying to pick them apart or judge them. Whereas I think we've kind of flipped the script a little bit in a way in more recent generations, like you're talking about Gen Z of like, this is my own personal identity and personal expression. And I should get to, to express that how I see fit. And it, and your opinions and thoughts on it really are immaterial to me. Yeah. They're good at that. Aren't they? Oh, so Uh, I have so much Gen Z. I'm jealous (laughs) of how much you don't care. (laughs) But you know, it's, this is part of a, it's part of a lineage and it's part of, folks like in our generation did work i remember to going to to protest against prop aid and and uh doing doing that type of work around getting the culture to not look at things in such a a binary way or to be able to respect that people had different forms and modes of of self-expression that fell outside the quote-unquote mainstream but i think what we keep getting back to is just this idea of human beings allowing allowing people to be human yeah allowing humans to be human and we need our technology which is helping us in so many ways but it also hinders us Mm. it's you know it's both and but we need our technology to keep us human or if it's advancing advancing us in the appropriate ways. So to be human, we focus so much on the visual and especially in this idea of attracting a a partner online. It's a very visual based medium. We're looking at a screen, but that cuts out so many different other aspects of, of our human senses and how we might try and attract a mate or 
just kind of check out the energy and see if someone's right for us. So we have these, you know, I think about <laughs> the old days of cruising in a bar, you walk in a bar, like you may lock eyes with someone, but you're looking at so many different factors. You're looking at their body language. What's the tone of their voice? Are they leaning into you? What do they smell like? Smell is a very, is a mm. very important, very visceral one. Mm, my favorite. And what are the <laughs> and what are the vibes like? What are like what energetically do y- you feel? Because that is really really difficult to get out of a an image or right. a text based discussion with somebody. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like we've chosen by default the mode of communication, which strips out all nuance and tone and uncertainty or flavor and the animalic parts of the primal parts of a human attraction of sexuality of romance you know yeah liking the way that a lover's pheromones smell or how they hold your eyes across the bar mm-hmm. versus how you know their selfie captures their eyes i mean you and i have talked about that a lot where we have joked about some of our past experiences and i was like oh you know he was he was presenting on the app like scotch neat but when i showed (laughs) up he was you know cosmo with extra sugar on the room and we had a fun time because we talked about furniture and decor and you know fuck i can throw back some cosmos but when you're out in you know public so when you're meeting a human cruising in the bar, going on a date or whatnot, you can present a false narrative. Sure. You can present, of course you can. Most of us know what it's like to go on a date and, you know, you kind of do some mind magic. You do a little bit of manifestation, maybe, even if you're not a practitioner of magic, you get yourself ready, you put on music, you put yourself into a vibe so that you're presenting Mm -hmm. a, you know, quote, good version of you. But you can totally present much falser narratives online. And yes, because it, the whole thing. there's definitely a performance aspect to to both, whether that's getting ready to go out or posting, you know, a selfie or some type of picture online and, and trying to put your best self forward. But there's this idea that when you're in person, you have to inhabit a certain energy. So it may not be, so right. who, you, who you are at the bar may not be who you are at the office, but you have to authentically embody that. Otherwise people are going to pick up right away and totally. they'll be like, Ooh, this feels false. And we get really, humans get really prickly if they feel like someone is projecting something that is, that is untrue or false or inauthentic. Like we kind of recoil from it. So you have to inhabit, you have to embody. And that's why uh, a friend of mine would describe you know, a lot of the different kinks of it's kind of, it's an energy exchange and you may not be a person that normally gets tied up, but it's, it's all about inhabiting that, the energy of what, what that's like. And psychologically you can put yourself there, then you can explore different sides of yourself or aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually ever thought about kink like that, but that's what it does. It's a way to explore different avenues of you that might be suppressed or shamed mm-hmm. or again that goes into the realm of taboo, right? Like taboo. these things that aren't always allowed become a kink. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the appropriate way to explain it, but that's kind of how I look at it. Like we put it into the the sphere of kink. We've been bouncing around, but I did want to just provide a little bit of data for the folks listening from home as we're talking about online dating. So the statistics as of 2019 is that 40 million Americans have used online dating at some point. It's a lot. 
It's a lot. It's a big number. And by the end of 2019, 39% of straight couples met online, whereas that number was 65% for same-sex couples. That's so much. Two-thirds. Yeah. Two-thirds of same-sex couples. And it, I feel like it's always been that way because even what we were talking about, you know, as gay people 20 years ago now, that's so weird. Mm-hmm. We were on the internet. We were in the chat rooms and the corners connecting internationally. I mean, how many guys, friends, cyber lovers did you have around the country? Because I had kind of... I had people that I talked to in different areas because you didn't, I mean, growing up in a Chicago suburb, I was the gay guy. I mean, there right. was others, you know who you are. <laughs> the but, only gay in the village. <laughs> I was the only one who was out. You right. Know? So for, I feel like gays and queers, we always have our, our roots in dating, our underground or alternative, mm-hmm. they weren't in the public. Mm-hmm. So when internet first came about, I mean, internet was underground. It was this different realm. Yes. So it's a lot to think about. And I wonder now too, gay, straight, whatever, any and all, what are the statistics? How many people meet online now? And I want to know about what dating is like during the pandemic. Cause right. It's changes everything. It's, and I will just say as a, as a single person, it's been very challenging, especially on that. Cause I have had some like social distance dates where you get coffee and go on a, a walk around the park with your masks on. And you can't see the whole face. You can't see the whole face. You can't see their nonverbals, their smile. Yeah. So there's a lot that's hidden. And then it just, it's almost like on some of the the dating apps, you go into a loop because you'll get really excited about meeting and then it just kind of, okay, well, the the fundamentals are still the same. Here we are. And so I want to try all these things or I want to go all these places or, or do these things with you. But the fundamentals are things are still pretty, pretty shut and you're taking a big risk with meeting someone new yeah. or bringing someone new into into the fold during this time. Very much so. And that's such a thing, the internet or the app first date. Like when mm. you're talking with somebody for hours one night and it's just like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. That's like a first date on an app. It is. That's a good way to it. It is. <laughs> and then you're trading some photos, you're talking mm-hmm. about things, and then, you know, the next level is like, do you have Instagram? And it's like, ooh, do I mm-hmm. show them my <laughs> do I show them my social media identity? That's off of here. But, you know, after that point, sometimes it can disintegrate. Yeah. Or sometimes it comes back and a lot of, at least on the gay apps, you know, a lot of men treat the gay apps like pornography. So mm-hmm. do you have pics? Do you have nudes? Let's go here. Let's trade all that. And then it's like you get your dopamine, your hits. Some guys get off maybe. They use it like porn. And then it was actually a good connection, but you never talk again. There's some guy who has in his profile, let's message furiously for three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That always, I, that turns me on. I love when I meet somebody on an app and then we're just like, Brown, 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 brown for a few days because I like to connect. It's fun, and then I, I just too. feel like right now it, there's nowhere to take it. There's nowhere for it to go. The plane's all fired up and ready to leave, but they can't get <laughs> off the runway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's another thing to just go back to the architecture of these apps is the way that they're 
organized at least i've had this experience on on grinder which is a which is a gay dating app and dating might be a strong word yeah uh, it's kind of seen as as more of a hookup app than there although i have met i've met well, we met on Grinder. Yeah, met friends. Yeah, we met on Grinder. If you're listening to this podcast, it's because me and Patrick met on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> but I look at the messages and they are organized. The hierarchy is based on most recent. There is not a like, oh, you messaged the most with this person, so that rises to the top, or you had like the greatest numbers of pictures exchange, or any. It could be any metric, but the way that it's used now is. It's the most recent and new, 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 new. And that's the same thing with like a, you know, with Tinder is I'll, I'll find myself, okay, well, I'm, I'm chatting with some people, which again, the messages are, are ranked in order of most recent that, that you've communicated with this person. You're like, well, I don't really want to talk right now. So I'm just going to go into swipe mode. And then that's all just new, 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 new. And, and you're thinking, well, is this and then you start ranking well is this person better than the other people that i'm currently talking with mm-hmm. you know is this person going to beat them out and then you have a something like grinder or i think the straight folks have bumble where you're looking at this grid and you're seeing kind of people like side by side and that's a direct comparison you're like well they're they're the hottest one out of all the people surrounding them in this square such a thing. I have a good friend of mine that calls it the closest, hottest guy. Oh my god! If it's location based, <laughs> CHG closest, hottest yeah. guy. Yeah, the because location base is such that changed everything mm-hmm. because that made every that put this mindset of like, who's who's here right now? Who can yeah. I have right now? Yeah. <laughs> Who can I meet on a lunch break? Who can I meet on this other side of town that I don't know? And it also is really cool because when you're in other neighborhoods and communities, the platonic aspects that apps have, it is a cool way to meet people and see who's around. But that that was a big change mm-hmm. when that happened. I was on um, OkCupid when I was 19. And speaking of like gay.com, some other old ones that some of the listeners might remember. I don't know if anybody remembers Hot or Not. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, that to me is like the precursor to swipe left or right. Absolutely. Hotornot.com. My best friend and I, Alexis, we were on that in fucking high school and just talking to like college dudes. She talked to a lot more men back then. You know, that was more of a straight type of app. Mm-hmm. But Hot or Not, and you would rate someone one through 10. And then you would have a rating, right? I know. Isn't that crazy? Gross. So then OkCupid came around right after I graduated high school. And I met my... It's wild. No, I didn't meet my first love. My first love ended up being on OkCupid. But we had met in in an art class in college. But I met my second relationship on OkCupid. I've met my third, my current one. You know, that feels like the best. I've met all on OkCupid. And that app used to be amazing. I mean, you would fill out all these questions. Mm-hmm. It would match you. They said, um, back then, we're free and we always will be. They always seemed very socially aware. And even still to this day, it's one of the best ones for non-binary folks or trans folks, as you found earlier, right? It has a feature that allows non-binary or trans folks to be invisible to 
heteros to yeah. straight people if they feel that they need that for security it also has the best descriptions on there it's it's not so limited but what has happened now is that dating app has become a swipe left or right app well and it used to be from when i i remember it it was almost like more of a long form like kind of like an email like you would write these long responses to people and they would respond and kind of it was a much it wasn't kind of a uh, back and forth, even texting, it was almost like an email based. And Wise. so you would get, you would go very deep with one or two people. And it sounds like that's completely changed now. And it's so weird because they have that feature still there. I mean, like the questions and all of that, I don't know what the right terminology is, but it's set up for that. But they have, in your terms, flattened it by making it a swipe mm-hmm. app. And it's just, you know, like you say, we shouldn't swipe left on human beings. There's more depth to be there. It's interesting if you're a software engineer or you know, someone who designs apps, Patrick kind of just gave you some ideas. Make <laughs> make a dating app that filters replies based on rapport versus rapport. newness. That's, a, that's an excellent way to to describe it and to and to talk about it. And there's obviously there's lots of money in this. There's lots of engagement. But I feel like we fall into a trap, which is one that comes up on social media as well. Of care if you're an ad based platform. You're making your money from ads. You care more about keeping people on your site or your service rather than what is what we would consider it to be like the primary mission. Like the primary mission of where you go on, of why you or I would go on an app is not to look at ads. Our primary mission is to, to meet someone and have a meaningful connection with them. But yeah. I feel like the, you know, the ad dollars went out over this idea of because again if everyone met up and partnered up then no one would go on the (laughs) no one would go on the app so it's like are they really designing it for people to meet and have these meaningful connections long term they're designing it for their advertisers and they're in the business of making money and you talk about the gamification of apps so even their advertisements like grinder for example we're talking about it a lot today but all of their advertisements are video games. So you're in this app where everybody's on a grid by location. You just see their face, you know, it's, it's very flattened. And then every, you know, every few engagements, every few messages or every few moments, all of a sudden you get an ad for a game and they're really disturbing games. They're like these cartoon games of a house on fire and you're trying to like get the guy out of the house or there's like a murder game on there. Yeah, there's some really weird like misogynistic ones where a woman's like being chased by a burglar or a dog. Like, like what like, the fuck? Yeah, it's it's very strange. Well, and the, the funny thing about, about that because there are some 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 games that I had played, not based on the advertisings of that that app, but just personally, and not at all what the game is like or the gameplay totally. itself is like. So they've totally changed it into this very weird, almost it's almost kind of dystopian, very dystopian. All the games have that, or there's or there's Tune Blast, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, and so people joke about it, but it's just it, it's very strange to see that gamification from the advertising but then you also see on the other side of it just the engagement of a user that sound so in grinder for instance a brrr, 
Oh my gosh. It causes, there is a release of dopamine. There's like a little release of dopamine or you open the app and you check and you're like, oh, there's a new message. Like before you even know who it's from or what it is, it's just, there's this little, like you get a little dose. And so you can get conditioned to just be on there and just like, oh, well, I hope someone responds to me or, or, or this is a really interesting thing that they included, which was similar to like a Facebook like, or sorry, a Facebook poke. Remember the pokes back in the day? Yes. Well, now there are things on on Scruff, which is another gay dating app, which was originally for like hairy guys or bigger guys, yeah. was called a woof. So you could right. woof at someone, click a little paw print. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then on Grindr, now they've created, you You click a little flame and that's a tap. Tap. So it just goes into this other that category. that little like devil face tap. That's something like na- naughty tap. Oh, there's up a naughty devil one. face yeah. emoji. It's like, oh, like, that one annoys me. The, the, Don't ever send me a devil <laughs> face um, tap. When you made, can you make that sound effect? <laughs> oh my God. So I laughed because the last beauty company I worked for I in the head office, I was one of, I think, five gay men in the office. And we had 18, 20 people in the office by the time we were, you know, our startup at our peak and everything. And the rest were all women. And I think we had a few non-binary, but really big non-binary workforce. But anyways, in the office, we had five gay men. And once my phone was left on, you know, the the volume was up and that app was open and that mess, that little came through (laughs) and all the other four gay guys in the office, all their heads popped up from their computers and they just looked at me and like three of them had a smile. One of them just had this straight face. Like you're on there. Cause I was the, I was the boss and I just had a moment like all me and the other gay men, we just all laughed and everybody else in the office, like what's so funny. Yeah. And we were like nothing, but we are, it was just such an interesting social moment because they perked up. That like it's almost like Pavlovian conditioning. Everyone yes. knew what that sound meant, and that sound triggered something like instantly. Yes, yeah. yeah so we we are getting you know in some ways even by even by the sounds or by the graphics, we're getting triggered by this app. Like think about when you get a a match on Tinder. There's like a little, like it spins around, there's some fireworks or confetti or whatever it is. And you're like, oh my God. You've won the lottery. And that's what it is. Is this the love of your life? (laughs) (laughs) Or are you just going to text madly for three days and fall off? (laughs) Right. Which ends up being kind of what what the result is. But I feel like it, it sets us up almost like this sort of fairy tale, larger than life, send all like the dopamine going but then when you are actually messaging someone they're a real person they're a human and you're talking to them it's not as exciting as getting the reward of having the you know getting a match or doing the or like oh a faceless profile just sent me five face photos that's always a dopamine oh, reward for me when you know Can that you the photos have been face sent photos you know yeah. they resisted <laughs> and i'm like goodbye i don't talk to torsos and then you get like four and you're like oh like oh i got it oh i'm not into you Okay, yeah. have a great day. Yeah, and it's just so it's putting you on that roller coaster of like, of like I'm really excited. Mm, I'm not into them. Oh, but here's another person, and oh, I'm really you know it just it's it's keeping Before you, you know on it. that cycle. And then then it's four a.m. 
Yeah. And you're like, I've been on this app all night. My eyes are bloodshot. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> no, yeah, maybe been, that's it's just been me too. <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's what, not just dating apps, but Instagram, TikTok. It's all about yeah. your engagement. How can we get you on? And they are video games. And when mm. you mention that noise, that sound effect, all these things that trig that kind of trigger us or pique our interest, that is making up for the sensorial cues that you mm. mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in real dating, you know, the yeah. tone of a lover's voice or whatnot. And, or the first time that someone you're dating touches you, right. like puts their hand on your leg or maybe your legs touch each other. Like oh, that's a bit, yeah, that. even just talking <gasps> oh, about it. Like, no. yeah, exactly. Because that's like, that's like the goodies. That's like, that's the real dopamine because what that is doing is it, it is, is it, it's exciting us and inviting us into that connection with someone. But I feel like a lot of the, the apps are not designed to invite us into connection. They're designed to more be that kind of like that, that, that fast food or that roller coaster or that when you were talking about the being up until 4am, there are like, I had another friend who talked about it. It's almost like going to the bar. If you go to the bar at two or three in the morning, it's going to be a very different place than if you go to the bar at like 10 or 11 p.m. Yeah. And then if you go, you know, for pre-dinner drinks, Mm -hmm. very different again. For cocktails or, yeah. It's also, there's that timing, you know, when when are you there? And that is going to dictate sometimes what people are looking for, which is not always the, you know, the case. I had a, some time when I was, I was, getting insomnia and so i'd be like well i'm not doing anything let's just fire up the app and and take a look and see who's on and i started chatting with this very attractive emt that would have a shift that would go into like yeah working late and it's like why are you doing on here i'm like well what are you doing on here and they're like like, i'm "I'm on my double yeah thank you thank (laughs) you for your service right (laughs) how's your night when are you off Will you talk a little bit about like the dopamine a Mm. little bit more on that? Because you were the first person when we just started relating as gay men together about, I mean, we met off Grindr Mm -hmm. and then we would talk about it. You were the first one to be like, yeah, and you get that dopamine. And I never thought of it that way. And now, now we have many more conversations and, you know, even documentaries like the social dilemma that Mm. educate us on this. But how else do you think that plays out on the dating apps? Yeah, well, to start off, because we've been talking about it, I haven't really, I haven't really explained it, but it's this idea that in your brain there are these pathways, and one of them is called the reward center. So if we do something that is advantageous for our survival, like we eat something that's, you know, that tastes good to us, and particularly if, if it has, you know, like carbs or sugar or fats in it our mind rewards us and says like that's good we need more of that and so you get these little it's called a dopamine is a signaling molecule and it follows this pathway through the brain so the brain lights up in a certain way that says hey whatever you just did that was really good and we want you to do more of it and so when we were humans living in a world that didn't have a whole lot of human constructs or societal cultural constructs around it, then that worked a lot better. It was more tuned in to us moving through as a creature in the natural world. Whereas now there are ways to kind of trick that or get that system activated for something that is maybe not advantageous. So this is where a lot of addiction comes into play 
classic addiction, you see those same pathways in the brain, that reward center, that dopamine center, light up. Yes. And people get even stuck from in non-addictive that. substances. Exactly. So even yeah, even something like a sound, because we've connected it to this action or this activity. So even an abstracted thing can trigger that reward center. And I'm even thinking about, so I took a a seminar in college on neurodevelopment where we dug a little deeper into some of these, what these molecules did and how they worked in the brain. And we talked about, they looked at someone's brain, the, the male brain during ejaculation. So like had an MRI going and were able Mm. to image someone's brain. And at the moment of orgasm, the same exact pathway that opiates would light up in the brain lit up specific to a male male brain yeah so think about that yeah all all you dudes masturbating three times a day yeah it's like getting getting your getting your opium fix it produces that those same type of chemicals to have something electronic that sort of is is wedding these two sorts of reward center of like i'm gonna connect this very this this very visceral something that we get lots of rewards for like sex or sexual activity like a brain just totally lights up and sends all kinds of molecules in in women a lot it's um oxytocin and vasopressin Mm. and oxytocin is a bonding molecule so women will release like their brains will just dump oxytocin during birth like at the moment of birth because the woman the the mother bonds with the child wow and men don't have it men do have vasopressin but not as much oxytocin Mm -hmm. men don't give birth Exactly. Through that big rush, that dump of it. Exactly. At that moment. Exactly. One thing that that I did find on a documentary that was on pleasure and pain, there was a a biochemist who she was getting married and she decided to conduct an experiment where she took a blood sample from everyone right before the wedding and then right after it. And what she found were increased levels of oxytocin but only in the bride and the groom and the immediate family. Wow. So these bonding these bonding molecules were released at the wedding so it did actually this ritual played ceremony. Yeah, this ritual and ceremony actually had a a biochemical component to it. Wow. Well, and think about that all of these social ceremonies that we have and you have everybody agreeing, right? Psychically cerebrally this is this is a big moment this is a special day right just this programming and they are big moments they are special days so that's that's wild yeah and your brain chemistry reflects that and we have these natural impulses these drives to do that type of bonding and the fact also that wasn't just the bride and groom but the family so the family gets gets chemically folded into this unit I thought it was very, yeah, it was very interesting. So that's a little bit about how the, some of the chemicals work in the brain. But in terms of, in terms of the app, it's just that, you know, those sounds, seeing a message, all of these abstractions, because on the, on the other side of it is potential sexual gratification. Yes. Even if you're not looking at it necessarily for a hookup. You still know that that is there. That's what that possibility is there. Sex is a component of it. Yeah, and that's it's one of the most you know powerful 
chemical responses in our bodies. So it's no surprise that we get get hooked or get addicted to these things. Yeah. And I think of these apps, you know, because a lot of them, you know, it looks like, oh, we love uniting people and everything, but they're wanting money from the advertisers. Yeah. It's coming out of capitalism. So we have capitalism essentially like all these like bells and whistles and releasing chemicals in our body and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And we have not in the last year have had our normal ways of experiencing those rushes of beautiful chemicals from our social ceremonies, our milestones, um, or just even, you know, what was normal dating. What is, what is, what does dating become when coronavirus shifts, when the pandemic shifts, when it leaves, moves, whatever happens with it? What is dating like, you know? That's a really good question. And it is interesting. I remember you talked a bit about masks and about, you know, how we present ourselves. And I'm thinking to, I have a friend who likes to go to the nude beach Mm -hmm. and used to go to one of the nude beaches in Hawaii and said that they would meet all kinds of people and there's no, there's no filter and there's no barrier between them and that other person. Like that is another human just showing up exactly as they are. And he encountered one person and had a little, little romantic tryst with them and said that when they showed up for dinner, when they met them, all like decked out full designer, like wow. labels, lived in Manhattan, like full, like not at all how they presented when they met them out on the beach. So it's, it's so really interesting because it was a nude beach. Yeah. Leave some of your identity away. Yeah. You get to kind of shed all of those parts. And so, so there's, nowhere to hide because we're used to hiding behind so much, you know, hiding behind a face mask or an app. And then you have a situation where people are completely stripped of all that and you get to see who they, who they really are. Mm-hmm. I think with masks too, a lot about what you call the gay animal kingdom, <laughs> which if you're not gay or if you're unfamiliar, you know, we have, we've mentioned a few of these terms before and I have a hard time with them. Mm. I really fucking do. You know, we have Jock. We have Daddy. We have uh, Bear. Otter. What else do we have? Wolf. Wolf. I like wolves. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you do. Everyone likes wolves. Who does it? That's a newer one, too. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, So a wolf is a a very worked out, hairy, older dude. Uh, I would say maybe like like 40s 30s. i think of the werewolf from um true blood joe manchinello mm-hmm. uh, and then a, a twink is someone who Duh. is thin hairless <laughs> likes divas youthful. youthful very much so yeah. youthful maybe not in their youth but youthful because mm-hmm. there's also such thing as a twunk <laughs> oh i've never heard of twunk a twink over 20 <laughs> Like Something like that, yeah, like a, or a twink that's like not twinky anymore. A kind twink of, post has been, 33. Has been twink. A has been twink. <laughs> I know it's not a very, it's... I, what does a twink become? An otter? But what if they don't grow hair? That's true then. Well, and then, then they're they too be... old to be a twink. So what are you, garbage? That's my <laughs> that's my problem with it. We put all these right, buckets. Right, there's all these... Say more. Oh, okay, so funny. we got... <laughs> so a bear is a, is a bigger hairier dude but then there's also such thing as a cub which is a a bigger dude that is not as hairy 
There are, you know, Otter is a, a more either fit or skinny, hairy. I feel like guy. everyone wants to be an otter. Everyone wants, wants an otter or wants to be. It's like a, it's like a tenor in singing. <laughs> everyone loves a tenor. Everyone loves an otter. Uh, and then and that's the newer one that came in like the twenty teens. So I don't remember otter. Yeah, it definitely had its. That. Yeah, it, yeah, it kind of burst down into the Came scene. out with the gay. It's also the the the, the jock kind of muscle. The there used to be a t- muscle queen. Muscle pup. Muscle pup. Oh, the pup thing is a new thing too. Um, but the the muscle group, I actually was was told to me that during the AIDS epidemic, the AIDS crisis. Uh, folks would would waste away so mm. folks had a very difficult time in keeping keeping on body weight and so they would mm. they were being prescribed these steroids so something like decadarablin or some type of steroid that would help them put on weight and so they put on a lot of muscle and so there was this idea of like folks folks getting really worked out and really kind of like jacked up and muscly in the gay community. But that was this artifact of treatment from AIDS. Mm-hmm. So that kind of popped up on the scene and you had, a, I guess circuit queen is, is one of the mm-hmm. you know, circuit gay circuit gay. So that's, that's someone who goes to all the, the festivals or the big parties. Um, it's just, it's interesting because the group. I was once called a Colorado gay by a coworker. I'm like, what is a Colorado gay? (laughs) And they were like, you know, you're kind of like witchy and you like nature. Mm. And I was like, that's a Colorado gay. I I don't think that's like option on Grindr. Colorado gay. (laughs) Also not from Colorado. I just live there. But yeah, and we don't always see all of these options. Some of these are kind of conversational and gay Mm -hmm. culture, but you know, there's usually on a dating app, all we see like bear, we see yeah. a twink, we see jock maybe. Well, and the creation of, of categories, because you talked about humans like to categorize, but the creation of categories can cause you know, competition or it can cause... Hierarchy. It can cause hierarchy. And I... Stigma. Yeah, and I've I've seen that. I had a there was something in when I lived in DC that was called Bear Happy Hour. So the idea was all of these these muscle gays would have their own parties, and so the bears, the people who had like a different body type that maybe didn't fit in with the traditional gay aesthetic or standards of beauty, had their own place to go to where they drink beer and eat pizza. Mm-hmm. And this was great, but. In that community, they started to get a little toxic and exclusive. So a community that like was done, bears only, bears like if only. A, if you're a 22 twink walking into a bear bar, I had a friend who showed up because he was he he was into bears. He was into that body type. You I know, like he, bears. He found himself that mm, <laughs> please feed the bears. Mm-hmm. He had that interest in that aesthetic, and he showed up and he said hi to a guy. He's like, "Hey, how's it going?" And the guy said, "I'm here for one reason, and that reason isn't you." So that's what it can kind of Please create. leave. Like yeah. Julia Roberts and Pretty Pretty oh, Woman. God. <laughs> There's nothing for you here. Please leave. Yeah. Mm. You know, so gay bars, I know we're talking about digital dating, but I want to go back in time too when we sure. started bars. Gay bars always felt like that to me. I was afraid. I think I had social anxiety. I know I did. But even, you know, as a 21-year-old, I was really confident. Yeah, I was. But in Chicago, which for a lot of gay men in the Midwest became, you know, the Mecca 
Mm, or even boy, other parts boys of the town. country. Yeah, where there's Boys Town. I have really probably, and I lived in the city for eight years. I grew up in Chicagoland, but I probably only went to Boys Town maybe seven or eight times wow. because I didn't like the energy. And of course, yes, I was, uh, you know, an untrained psychic. I was super sensitive. I would pick up on things. It felt weird. It felt off. I felt Mm. like a piece of meat or Mm -hmm. I didn't feel welcome. Mm. And when you'd go to the bear bar or you'd go to the, you know, the Twinkie bar or the, the, the pretty bar with the expensive cocktails or anything, I just never felt like I fucking belonged. And that is kind of a David thing, rising Aquarius, you know, all this stuff, but even that that feeling now is I'm confident who I am and I don't feel like I need to fit into a gay group or a gay bar. There is a, an amazing queer all are welcome bar here. It's Pony in mm, Seattle, which mm-hmm. I love, but, and I miss it. You know, even on the apps, when I look at all those, I get so mad because I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to be in one of these buckets. And also I've asked every partner I've ever been with, am I twink? Mm-hmm. Am I an otter? No, I'm not muscular <laughs> enough to be an otter. I'm too hairy to be a twink. I'm not a bear. What I'm? I'm a fucking unicorn. <laughs> so, I like unicorn, but that's not an option. Well, and that's the thing is, it, it's it, it's difficult because I understand wanting to to have a community or build a community, especially if you, as part of a subculture, are even isolated or you know pushed out of that subculture you're like where do i go but it can just disintegrate very quickly into this tribalism and then we're all these like little mini fractured tribes within the the gay community and i i saw that even with with the the pride marches here in seattle you had folks that were part of the bipoc community that and almost folks that were i would describe as almost like a proto black lives matter or early mm. Black Lives Matter, they, they call themselves no justice, no pride. And like, no, we can't be having pride marches when we have folks in the trans community that are getting killed. Yes. Or we have black people who are getting killed. So there was a... What is there to be proud of? What is there to be proud of? And right now, they blocked the pride march and you had all of these these white men gay white men cis they're men. Yeah, cis men that yeah. are yelling and screaming at these people to like get out of the way because they want to have a party toxic masculinity yeah as opposed to finding ways to be more inclusive and be more open and one of my friends and I talk about what if there were a a pride for black people or a pride that that was like included everybody a, pr- a pride that was for native folks for black people for trans people for and it wasn't this okay well we're all gonna go in a little corner and we're all gonna have you know like the the google or virgin america which is great to have corporate sponsorship like that's really nice but uh how about you just support and donate to the community and we recognize you on the program uh let's get all body types up on those floats all body types not just these like fucking dehydroxyacetone fake tan <laughs> muscly bodies which sure look nice but well because that's the trap we 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 i think get caught into even in you know in the beauty industry we just get we get pulled in to this aspirational aesthetic and we're like well that that could be me yeah. but then why are we really there at that you know we're not looking through a catalog when we're at the pride parade but that's almost how it feels that okay turn feels. the page next float it's an advertisement turn the page next float it's a hot guy in a speedo covered in glitter dancing it's going to be a real challenge 
I feel, and that's why on it, I just have to plug Solstice because there is a there's a parade that's up here in Seattle that brings me such great joy because it is a completely non-commercialized, holy community endeavor, and the whole reason is that it's summer solstice. There's no other reason to have this parade other than people are celebrating the fact that the sun is out and everyone's there to have a good time, and the feel is completely different, super inclusive, and it just all everyone feels good there. Everyone's there yeah. to have a good time, and there's naked bike riders, and it's the people you want to be naked. Because it's not illegal to be naked in public in Seattle. Mm, thank that. God for that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we're naked right now recording in public Shh. <laughs> no, but i think too when you bring up the you know cis white men which we are we are cis white gay men with pride and those stories you know black trans women fought for our rights it's that's why bingo and we need to remember that as cis white gay men that we yes we are gay but we still do have a great deal of privilege so how do you use that privilege you build a different type of pride yeah i i think that's a great point and just the fact that we we fail to honor a lot of those figures and not just honor the individual but honor the community there's this documentary the life and death of marsha p johnson who is and then there's sylvia rivera who are two of the of the first trans folks who threw bricks at stonewall at the, at the stonewall riot and I think it's really good that they're coming back in discourse and we're celebrating them, but we also need to remember to celebrate and elevate those communities because like you said, we would not be here without those communities, but somehow it all ends up getting whitewashed and appropriated and then all of a sudden we're throwing a big party for ourselves and it's like, well, shouldn't those communities be the the most celebrated on that highlighted. day? The most yes. highlighted because they got us here. Yes. Like they were the ones brave enough. And even in those documentaries, they talk about how the white gay cis men were all up in their apartments in the West Village while that riot was happening. And they're like mm-hmm. looking out and... and the, in their business suits. Yeah. Um, afraid to Afraid to be in society as who they are. Yeah. And then just watching. Just watching. So speaking about the trans communities, one of those categories on Grindr that includes bear, daddy, jock is trans. Like, so that category is on there, which is kind of a strange place for it to be. And it feels like there also aren't a lot of apps that are designed for the trans experience or for the non-binary experience. Totally. How do we create spaces for those groups to meet each other in a safe way? Yeah. And it's like, okay, Cupid, they have some of the widest spectrum of terminology. I think it's also you can customize mm. like what you call yourself or whatnot, which as we know from a lot of apps, it's a drop down menu. Mm-hmm. And so it's a drop down menu, maybe five to 10 or other, you know, or like prefer not to say, which is not the message it's not the language but yeah there's even um recently you know we were just told about i think it's called tammy or tommy which is specifically a dating app and it might be a hookup app too for trans folk where it's just exclusively them and that's that's amazing because you know even when we think about the trans community a lot of things that they go through and I can't speak from it of course but just as an outsider looking is they get at times you know some of the the straight or the the down low guys that Mm -hmm. are you know anonymous or hiding in the shadows and it's almost like 
they're kind of always, they're already halfway in between culture and society's worlds. And then they're put halfway in this other limbo. Right. So it becomes really limited for them. And there's a lot of gay men who, you know, on the dating apps, they don't want to interact with trans folk, even in just a platonic way of like, hey, you're welcome here. Like, how are, like, think of what that could do. Just like, hey, how are you? You know, you're beautiful. I wouldn't want to send the wrong message or anything, but just even celebrating and making them feel welcome. Well, and I think that's a great point that you bring up is how can we celebrate the trans experience and make trans folks feel welcome? So when we talk about representation or diversity, I think they become these buzzwords or these corporate words and we're seeking this out. So corporate. But we forget what it what it actually means and what it's for and it is a way to invite folks into spaces and it's a way to get different voices heard so trans folks being on the development team yes. for a dating app are going to be able to curate an experience for other trans folks and non-binary folks non-binary well. folks like like BIPOC folks are going to be able to help create an experience that is going to be better geared towards those communities and i feel like that's really what's missing the reason we need the voices which if you're a corporation you're trying to make money you should listen and you should hire different people because you're going to pick up on demographics that you are missing yes you are missing lost and forgotten folks and then also we haven't we haven't talked at all about uh disabled folks but disabled folks are big users of a lot of the a lot of apps and things make life easier so getting like food delivered or groceries delivered or something this makes it makes life easier for folks but then how is that addressed in in dating or how you know how are these communities made welcome and and celebrated there was someone who I chatted with a while back on on scruff this was years ago but they put on their profile you know I'm I'm a disabled person and I worked with other disabled folks and this is something that I celebrate and I'm happy to have a conversation with folks about that you know if that's something that interests you and that's that's wonderful that there's a space for that expression but it shouldn't be on those community members to yeah to have to start that conversation or to highlight those communities i think the message is we don't want your heteronormative white ableist <laughs> tech get the <laughs> out of here yeah well and then like you said at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to money. So it's what the it's it's what the money wants. And in those structures, the money, these VCs tend to be white male engineers. And that just yep. feeds back into like white male startup founders, which feeds back into, you know, so the floats that pride having white male CEOs. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's a, we ended up in a really interesting place, I think, from talking about dating, but we're ideally, I feel like the goal of dating someone or engaging in, in that type of relationship is to, to learn more about yourself, learn more about different types of people and grow with them and grow ideally together it's a great opportunity to really take a moment and sit with yourself maybe and say, what am I swiping past that could be offering me a lot of growth and a lot of new experiences? What's beneath the surface? Yeah. 
thanks so much for tuning into this episode of An Altered View. We definitely want to get to know you more and have you be part of the AAV community. So connect with us on Instagram at Altered View Podcast or find our website, alteredviewpodcast.com. David is a skilled teacher and psychic medium. If you'd like to learn more about him and his offerings, please check out his Instagram at psychic double underscore AF or alchemybydavid.com. Patrick is an amazing shamanic practitioner. You can find him on Instagram at Healing with Patrick or visit his website and book a session with him at healingwithpatrick.com. Thanks again for joining us on An Altered View. View.